The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Wrap at IGN.com and criticallyacclaimed.net. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I have a voice. You do. And you uh, work for places and you should I work plug for your places. stuff. I, uh, Fine. I, I, Every week with this. <laughs> your modesty I, does not become you. I am I am not a significant voice in the film critic community. Modesty malaise. Uh, my... Hey, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's 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 a fun uh, fun pun for those who are paying attention. Yeah, uh, I do. I blaze. I write for IGN dot uh, from time to time. I'm uh, still on board with Legion of Leia if uh, if I can find something appropriate to write. Mm-hmm. Um, I do write for criticallyacclaimed.net, and I've just written a couple essays that were sponsored by Patreon subscribers yeah. our, uh, on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash. Cancelled too soon. Cancelled is always spelled with one L. Uh, one of the options we have is you can uh, force us to write an article of your choice. Whitney is crushing it. I've been so. <laughs> I've been. I even so, have one that is, is still awaiting publishing. So I know because I need. Cause I need to contribute to it. I am so like just crunched with deadlines from websites mm. like IGN. I'm a little behind. Whitney, however, is cranking them out like nobody's business, and it's really, really great. Uh, we also have Google Hangouts and exclusive podcasts like the Cancel Too Soon Monthly Movie, which we're about to record a whole bunch of. Mm. Uh, we're gonna, uh, we have the, <coughs> the podcast Only the Best, where we review uh, every movie ever nominated for Best Picture in order. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff on there, and by all means, please check it out. Uh, every single one of our patrons is really uh, patrons is really helping us keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but and, and the assignments you've been giving us have been fascinating. Really interesting stuff. Yeah. So really cool. It really proves that like people want better content out of the internet than the <laughs> usual stuff. Yeah, which yeah. we see all the time, and that's really exciting. But today we are here uh, uh, for a different reason. We are here to record a podcast. Uh, about for well, you. well, we're in the middle of September, which is our suddenly last season month. Which is something we did last month as well, or last year rather as well, where uh, we've been looking at shows that were just canceled just last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week we did Will, the uh, William Shakespeare drama, which mm-hmm. was dumb. Yeah, it combined and it was all way of, like, fun to talk about all the wackiest elements of like Moulin Rouge and Shakespeare and love, but tried to be taken seriously and it did not work. But mm-hmm. it was a really interesting watch, and I hope y'all enjoyed listening to it. Yeah. Uh, we're really shifting gears this time. We're doing a high concept sitcom mm-hmm. uh, based on a popular book. Yeah, well, uh, A.J. Jacobs wrote this book, mm-hmm. and he is known for kind of uh, what he calls extreme journalism. It's stunt journalism. Yeah, stunt journalism, yeah. where yeah, he, try, he tries really extreme sort of social experiments or health experiments mm-hmm. uh, and, and logs what he does. Uh, mm-hmm. One, he tried to stay as, like, get in, in as good shape as he possibly could, mm-hmm. like eat as well as he could, exercise as often as people say, 
And in, in writing about it, he said it nearly killed him. Yeah, like it a, just was his body wasn't ready for that. There was another one where he read the entire Encyclopedia Britannica. He didn't make it the, all the way, by the way. Which <laughs> honestly, come uh, on, uh, it's it's a book. Hmm. Um, it's a series of books, but still, you can do it. Hmm. Uh, he did another one where he outsourced every aspect of his life. Tried to get somebody else to do everything, including like argue with his spouse. Wow. It sounds really insufferable. Oh, uh, but that, which, this is how he makes a living. That's how he makes yeah. a living, and people like it. And his probably his best known one as now the source of a sitcom. He spent uh, an entire year trying to live literally by the Bible. Hmm. It's a book and a failed sitcom called Living Biblically. I've decided to live my life 100% by the Bible. To the letter. I gotta do it all in. It's like a soul cleanse. Donuts in the hazy. What's up with your threads, man? You look like a business casual ghost. It's changing your life like this, that changes my life too. I just really believe it's gonna make me a better father for our son or daughter. Hey, Chip, hooked up with this chick, Josie from CrossFit, last night. Hottest caboose I have ever seen. Nice. Aside from my wife, of course. That's scary, and that's not Tracy. Biblically, what should I do? The Bible says you're supposed to stone adulterers. But of course, you're not going to be doing that in 2017 because of jail. Baby, what are you doing with that rock? I don't want... Ow! What the hell, man? You got to hit Gary in the face with a rock? I might have to try this Bible thing out my damn self. Darn self. Darn self. Darn self. Yeah. Okay, the, the book has a longer the, title. The book is called The Year of Living Biblically, colon, long, 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 long title. Yeah. But whatever. But yeah, it's basically just how do you, without actually being Amish mm-hmm. and like living out and like not eschewing buttons and everything like that, like how do you take a book that is arguably meant to be taken extremely allegorically yeah, yeah. and completely live by its teachings, no compromise. Like every, and the inciting incident in the sitcom mm-hmm. is that the main character who is not AJ Jacobs, his name is chip. His name. Yeah. Chip Curry is his name. And in the world of the sitcom, he's a film critic. Well, first of all, he lives in this uh, alternate universe where there's a scrappy little local newspaper in New York that's kind of thriving and has its own staff mm-hmm. and its own office. And people actually go to work. And people actually go to work. And Film critics work don't out. usually go to an office. So I'm guessing it's set in 1973 <laughs> when that sort of thing happened. No, Except it's, there it's, are cell phones. It's, and it's, it's set in the present day, but yeah, the, for some reason they, they kind of are a little backwards on the way journalism works. Or at least the film criticism yeah. aspect. But so yeah. he's a film critic and uh, his best friend, who we don't really know a lot about, but dies off camera and he's mm-hmm. sort of thrown for a loop. He doesn't know what to do. He feels a little bit lost in his life because yeah, his best friend is dead. He's approaching middle age and he and, realizes that... And his, and his wife is pregnant. And his wife is pregnant and he's starting to question things. He's having mm-hmm. a midlife crisis understandable a lot of people do um and he's feeling like he's a mess he's a wreck he doesn't know uh how to live his life and while he is shopping for books on fatherhood Mm -hmm. he's accidentally picks up a copy of the bible and says oh this must be a sign Mm -hmm. i'm going to live 100 percent 
by the Bible and every episode of the sitcom is him attempting to take some aspect or teaching of the Bible and apply it literally to in modern his life. life. Yeah. yeah. And it's more about kind of what a boob he is and how incapable he is in like following through than it is about him getting any kind of wisdom or spiritual edification yeah. or, or any religion whatsoever. Well, it's basically just how can this one part of the Bible mm. uh, be used for comedy? And mm. on one hand, I'm okay with that. And well, I well, think there's, that there's... There's, a, there's a definitely a smart way to do that. Yeah. And uh, there's a wonderful way to look at that and actually go through the very practical aspects of it. And yeah. there's a... Like, one of the, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not have false idols. And he realizes that maybe he's idolizing his phone. Yeah, there's a good so, bit in that episode where he's like... Um, he, he thinks that his wife's uh, affection for Beyonce mm-hmm. is, an, uh, is her experiencing a false idol. And his uh, two religious sort of guides, a priest and a rabbi... Mm-hmm. Uh, explain to him, no, a false idol is just anything that you put before God. Yeah. So for you, I've, we've noticed that you haven't put down your phone while we're having this conversation. What if your phone was a false idol? Like, mm. what if God told you to get rid of your phone? Mm. And the guy's just like, God would never. <laughs> God told Abraham to kill his only son. Mm. Yeah, but not to get rid of his phone. <laughs> and that was actually one of the funnier bits in the, right. in the show. I like, the, first off, I like this premise. The premise, is, the premise is it's okay. A, it's a because, fine premise for a series. It's a fine premise for a documentary, and it's yeah. fine premise for a book, which it was. Yeah, so, because yeah. what we're doing is we're taking a text that a lot of people are at least passingly familiar with, mm. and really just looking at it letter for letter and trying to see just how relevant it is in the present day or, and or how, how how applicable it is when you take it literally. Yeah, and how seriously mm. we can take basically a whole religion. <laughs> There's an interesting conversation to be had there, and mm. I kind of admire the idea that we're just going to take this aspect of our lives that we kind of totally take for granted. A lot of people are very casual in their faith. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that, but that's a lot of people. What if we pushed them to treat their faith as seriously as they've ever treated anything before? Mm-hmm. A lot of potential for comedy there. All right. And a lot of potential, I think, to discuss real religious issues and moral issues. Mm-hmm. Um, in much in the same way that a much better show, The Good Place... Uh-huh. Uh tackles ethics. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a show that is it's about a, a woman who is clearly destined for hell, the worst human being imaginable. Mm-hmm. She accidentally ends up in heaven but decides since I'm here I'm going to try to be as good as possible. Right. So that they'll let me stay. <laughs> even though theoretically it's too late and, and every I, episode is a conversation, a really complicated conversation but a funny one well, about um, what it means to be a good person uh, the, and they the manage joke, to incorporate that. The joke uh, with the good place is that She's not a good person. That that the I don't want to give away too much about the good place. No, if you're not definitely with don't. Because there's a so lot, lot of amazing twists. But in, in in early in the series, it's revealed that there are a couple people in the good. They never use the word heaven. They just call it the good place. Mm-hmm. And that there are a couple people here who are like in heaven because of a clerical error, and they can't help be like the most horrible venial people you can possibly imagine. Right. And that's kind of where the comedy comes in. These people are trying to be good when they are clearly kind of incapable of that. Yeah. Mm. And and here mm. it's a guy who is trying to be good, but he's okay because it's mm. a sitcom and they're not really willing to get super dark with it. They, they can't point out like how 
how wicked he is. I'm glad that they, you know, did bring up that there are atheists in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his wife is an atheist. They say that she's not really religious. She's an atheist. At, at most, um, she's an agnostic. Like yeah. she's, she's she's tolerant of her husband mm-hmm. and like she she supports his but she, religious whatever. But like she's clearly annoyed by this entire mm-hmm. thing because it's a damn inconvenience to her life. Repeatedly. Right, right, right. And and her mom is is super atheist and. I wish they were like quoting like they had like Richard Dawkins on the show or something. That would have been really funny, but uh, just somebody to really like cut a, un- undercut him, and he just doesn't know what to say. Um, but yeah, and and I liked that they included some holy people as well. So there there is sort of a and, moving conversation about the modern place of religion and faith, and not just and you know that you have mm. a Catholic priest as the sort of voice of wisdom, but mm. the Catholic priest is also best friends with a rabbi, and even mm. though they don't agree on all of the interpretations of the Bible they do find common ground and there's at least one mm. episode I'm sure they would have done others where he goes to a Baptist church as opposed to his Catholic church mm-hmm. and experiences the different ways in which people explore their Worship, faith yeah. as someone who and, and let's just be upfront uh, about this um, I'm an atheist okay. Whitney is not you're Methodist uh, right? Methodist yeah alright so we're coming at this from slightly different places but I think we both agree that mm. there's a lot to fairly criticize oh, about religion and mm. a lot that can be made fun of without oh, necessarily sure. <laughs> disrespecting the idea mm. of religion. Um, well, I mean, religion is just sort of the series of rituals we've attached to what we call spiritual feelings. And there's a lot of goofy crap we do in, in service of that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's fine to make fun of those details. Absolutely. It's, it's you know, sa- it's okay to be a little sacrilegious. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, I kind of demand it. As, as long um, as your heart's in the good place, I think you can get away with it. And I think still appeal to people who truly believe yeah. in religion. Now that said, it's also possible to be uh, so satirical or critical of religion that you can piss some people off mm. who really do believe in so, religion. So if, if you want to make us like a sitcom about the Bible, you do have to tread a little lightly. Yes. And, and there's actually a really easy way to do it. Oh, yeah? Um, Living Biblically didn't do it because this is a bland-ass show. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's ways to sort of be critical about certain things and really kind of speak up other things and, you know, really point out that, well, there are problems here. So the Book of Job is all about. Yeah. It's like, well, what about all these problems? What about all this evil in the world? The Book of Job's conclusion? Well, that's a problem. Okay, next book. (laughs) (laughs) Try to try to keep a positive attitude. That's all we got, really. Look on the bright side. Look, we don't know. All right. (laughs) (laughs) The Book of Job is the look. We don't know book of the Bible. (laughs) No, I I think the Book of Job is. It's more complex. It's more complicated than that. It's basically just like sometimes things are terrible, and that doesn't give you an excuse to be a bad person. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. If you're still able to be a good person, even when things are hard. That, That's more difficult than when it's easy, mm-hmm. and well, it's and, still worth doing. And something I, I do admire about living biblically, biblically, and this is something that you know I take from my faith, is uh, being a good person is a lot of really hard work. It is, and uh, you know, be, being living by the tenets of a certain religion, or just being moral, whether you're religious or not. You could be completely irreligious. You could be you know mm-hmm. hardcore new wave atheist. It's still hard work. To be as good a person as you can be. Yeah. And I, I respect that living biblically at least pays lip service to that notion. And as an atheist, I was gl- mm. I was really glad that mm. my thoughts were 
uh, represented mm. because I think there are some people who think that it is impossible to be a moral person mm. and be an atheist. And as an uh, atheist, it's it's, it's I, absurd I, it's because a stupid argument, but yeah. it, it is because it implies that human beings are inherently awful. And it, if you don't believe that there's any reward or punishment in the afterlife, then the reward or punishment is right now <laughs> and we have even more incentive to be as nice as humanly yeah. possible and make the world a better place because this is all we got that's my perspective yeah. well also why do it just to, to get a reward at the end of yeah. it how about just do it because it's a good idea that's that's yeah. that's what they say in my church because anyway, it's a community yeah. um anyway back to living biblically anyway, we, we wanted to address some of the bigger issues yeah. right up front so you knew where we were coming from right uh, living biblically uh, aired on cbs from february 26th through april 16th 2018 uh then it went off the air it was clearly gonna get canceled but they burned <laughs> off the last few episodes mm. on Ju- from july 7th through july 21st they had him in the can they was like mm. screw it let's just air him uh it was created by other than aj jacobs mm. uh the show creator was patrick walsh who also worked on two broke girls which mm. was a hit sitcom uh and outsourced which was a cancel too soon sitcom the cast includes... Well, and it was produced by uh, uh, John Galecki, who's on uh, The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. The, act, we'll, the actor. Yeah, and you, mm. I think there are several actors who like have gone through The Big Bang Theory who ended up on the show for mm. one episode or more. Uh, so, our stars are Chip Curry is played by J.R. Ferguson, who was... He was a child actor who still mm. works today. He was on Evening Shade as a kid, but then went on to be oh, a madman. God, Evening Shade. I haven't thought about that in years. And we'll probably run into him again. He did a lot of Cancel Too Soon shows, like uh, the TV show version of The Outsiders. Oh, right, right, right. Um, and the sci-fi show Surface. Uh, his wife, Leslie Curry, is played by Lindsay Craft. Uh, she was on Grace and Frankie and Getting On. She's mm. um, not as recognizable as many of the other cast members, mm. but you know she does her job. Uh, she, she has a Gabrielle Anwar vibe about her. I can her. see that. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, Father Gene, the Catholic priest who helps Chip mm. out on his journey, is played by Ian Gomez, a character actor who's been in everything. <laughs> Perhaps most and recently you'd recognize him as Snapper Carr on Supergirl, but he was in Cougar Town, Felicity, tons of movies. He's one of the best parts of this series. Mm-hmm. He, he and the rabbi character. <laughs> rabbi Gill is played by the great David Crumholtz. The great David Crumholtz. From Numbers and the Santa Claus, and of course, fans of our show know him from Justice League of America. The live-action series that didn't take off. And he was in one episode of Freaks and Geeks, so he's been around. Yeah. He's he's one of those guys where any movie he's in, you Mm -hmm. just know the David Krumholtz parts will be fine. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's good at what he does. He is capable, and he swings for the walls here. Mm -hmm. He is really trying to, like... Make this material Ma- Make this work. material as funny as he could. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, at Chip's yeah. office, we have cast members uh, Vince, his new best friend after his old best friend died. Mm. In fact, they even just have a conversation about it. Vince, will you be my new best friend? Sure. Vince is played by Tony Rock, who is Chris Rock's younger brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He mm. was in uh, All of Us and a show called Man, M-A-N-N, and Wife, which sadly is not, not a sequel a... to Man and Machine. Oh, what if Man and Ma- what if Man and Machine, like, what if he married the robot and the <sighs> spinoff was called Man and Wife? Well, it's not too late. Th- th- those, they're still around. They're still around. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, yeah, Nancy Butler could kick ass. Anyway. Uh, Chip's boss is pl- uh, Ms. Meadows, played by Cameron Mannheim mm. uh, from is, The Practice and Ghost Whisperer, who's who is, great. Oh, she's great. She Again, she's trying really hard. She's desperate. It's she's weird. It's a weirdly really small hard. role for Cameron Mannheim. Yeah, like, she like should be a, leading a sitcom. It's a recurring role on this, yeah, this kind yeah. of light 
Speaking of speaking of weirdly too big for the size of her role in this show, mm. we've got Sarah Gilbert That's from right. Roseanne as a character who's like not even a series regular. She's only in half the episodes, mm. even though she works at the office. She plays like the weirdo who like she writes the obituaries. She writes obituaries, yeah. and they just write her off as this really reclusive oddball character. She she's like she's Wednesday Adams essentially. A little bit, yeah. a little bit. Um, then uh, a few other small characters who keep showing up. There's Gracie, played by Carla Renata from Shake It Up and Superstore. Uh, she starts off as a character who has only one scene in the pilot, mm-hmm. or two scenes actually, two short scenes in the pilot. As a, as she works at a bookstore, uh-huh. and then they were like. Um, we like She's her. She's good. Yeah, we we're should bring keep her, her around. So she ends up getting a job at a bar and just is there uh, when they well, talk it, a lot. It, she gets a job at the bar set that they have on the CBS backlot where they have a lot of the conversations. Yes, but in the context of the narrative, it is a bar. Is oh, I guess it, I suppose it's a real bar. Yeah. When he, do you think about this in everything? In, in, look, this kind of multi-camera sitcom where the, the, the it's filmed in front of a live, a live audience ostensibly and the safe uh-huh. sets all look really fake, I'm always intensely aware of how artificial it is. And I oh, know yeah. that's part of the appeal of, of this type of sitcom. It looks like, it looks like a play. It, it looks like it's, it looks And a, it's, a, it's supposed to look like a play. And, you know, yeah. it's these little mini vignettes. And you only have a few sets that you visit time and time again. Mm-hmm. That's what a, how a sitcom is actually is constructed. Um the bar, lo- like, it, more than usual looks like a set. Like, it, mm-hmm. nothing looks really lived in. The, the apartment set looks like an apartment set, but they tried to add a little, pers- like, f- some personal touches. It's a little cluttered. It I looks l- a little lived in. I like they that. They have the, movie posters like, I like that, that are the, unusual. I like that the movie yeah. posters that are up there are movie posters a film critic might actually yeah, have. Like, Lost in, like, uh, Goodfellas? Albert, Albert Brooks, Lost in America, and Goodfellas. Those it's are not, good movie posters. It's not like, okay, Citizen Kane and Casablanca. We'll just put those ones up because he's a film critic. Like well, he's, he's a film critic, but he has taste. You know, he has gonna like he likes those two movies. Yeah, I buy that. Taste. He he loves Lost in America, and okay. Lost in America does feel like the sort of thing that like this sort of living biblical thing is sort of an ancestor of that Albert Brooks bit, yeah. style of comedy. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's not as good as it, but like that kind of high concept, kind of like a, Americana, a nebbishy urbanite trying to live something grand and poetic that they just have no idea how to really yeah. process. Yeah. And they're in New York, so Goodfellas. Uh, okay. Yeah. But uh, New York, it's almost like an extra character in the story. Shut up. <laughs> the the one I loved was um, when they're uh, there's an episode where, of course, they get stuck in an elevator because it's a sitcom and you have to do it eventually. Mm. Um, and when the 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 elevator stops, like the like. I, I hesitate to say plywood walls. Mm-hmm. Like, that's probably too sturdy for the set they have. They just <laughs> shake like a kid in a tricycle they, bumped they into dra- them. They drape canvas. That's the, yeah. that's the set. It's it's pretty glorious. I accept that mm. as a norm. Okay. That's just the way it is. The, the was, office doesn't look real. I was bothered by the... For some reason, I was bothered by the bar. Like, it looked like they were about to fall off the front of the stage. Like, it, it just looked like they were going to step one step back and trip over, like, their the their yeah. marks on the stage. It's just, yeah. The episode opens... Uh, the pilot episode mm. opens with Chip going to confession. It's been a long time. Mm. Uh, it's where he meets... Uh, He's a lapsed Catholic. Although, mm. um, the original author, um, uh, A.J. Jacobs, is Jewish. Yeah, but he's a lapsed Catholic. He he hasn't been to church in a long time, but he was raised in the Catholic Church. Um, and I think you can often tell how good a sitcom is going to be by the strength of the first joke. Okay. So I made note of the first joke. <laughs> it's, that's a good theory. All right. Yeah. Uh, just, it just shows that this is the best foot forward. Mm-hmm. You want to grab. You want. You just want to grab the audience. You want to grab the executives. 
<laughs> here's the potential. Here's yeah. what we can do. We want just to get you the f- best foot forward first joke. And Chip basically comes in and says, are you open? Yeah, we're open all the time. We're like heaven 11. Laugh track. Mm. Okay, we're in a bad place. So your church <laughs> used to only be open from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m., but relatively... No, from, from heaven until 11 p.m. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heaven 11. Yeah, it's not a good joke. Mm-hmm. It's not it's, particularly funny. It's a, it's, it, it's, it is a pun. It's a joke. It's and, technically a joke. And to quote Dr. Stephen Maturin, he who would pun would pick a pocket. Well, there would. I'm sure they'd get to an episode yeah. about that. About Dr. Stephen Maturin? They'd, they'd read the Patrick O'Brien novels? Well, if it lasted long enough, they're going to run out of Bible, so yes. <laughs> so they just start going through the, the Master and Commander series. <laughs> like, if this goes 20... Like, like, let's imagine it's a huge you know, super hit. It goes 20 seasons. You're going to run out of Bible. What are you going to do it, next? D- li- living by the Quran or yeah. other holy living, books. Living, living by the Bhagavad Gita. Living dianetically. Li- oh, God. <laughs> that would be an interesting social experiment. It really would. <laughs> um... So he goes and he goes to confession and he tells the the priest, um, you know, mm-hmm. his, his best friend died. He's about to become a father. He's wondering if he's a good person. His best friend's mom, who I was surprised wasn't in the show more, is played by June Squibb. She she's only in that first episode. Only the first episode. Only has one scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, June Squibb, Academy Award nominee. June Squibb, mm-hmm. uh, great actor. She's all right. <laughs> oh, fuck you. She's great. Uh, you're joking. She's all right. I, I, You're I not have, a huge fan. I haven't seen something in that I've really loved her in. I don't, maybe I just haven't seen the right films. All right, that. fair enough. I'm, uh, I'm not experienced with her filmography. Is my point. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, Ray tries mm. to console her. Not Ray. Uh, Chip tries to console her and mm. says Ray is in a better place. Mm. And she says, "Oh no, he's in hell. Yeah, he's, he's, he's he's a horrible man. He stopped yeah. going to church. He's he gave up on religion. He's going to hell." Mm. And Chip's like, "Well, I gave up going to church. Well, then you'll see Ray again." <laughs> he's like, "Okay." Mm-mm. So he's a bit lost. His uh-huh. wife tells him she's pregnant, and he gets all these books that try to like help him get his shit together. And he finally realizes the Bible. People have been using the Bible to mm. get their shit together for centuries uh-huh. Mill- i'll try this literally millennia but yeah well <laughs> millennia are also centuries you're right right so te- you, you, are, you are technically correct the best <laughs> kind of correct people have been using yeah. the bible to improve their lives for seconds for, for many trillions for, of seconds for, for many 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 seconds you're correct oh uh, and he decides for no particular reason there's no particular reason why he decides to be 100 percent literal about it. he never has yeah. that epiphany but he decides screw it i'm gonna be 100 percent literal the priest laughs in his face mm. because yeah, it's, it's you're not, not supposed to it's not a, a come to god moment like he's not thinking i need to devote myself to worship or to my spirit my inner life or my spirituality or mm-hmm. or even you know my local catholic church i need yeah. to be you know get involved with the church community he's using it as a how-to guide it, it's 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 yeah how-to guide which is kind of a way of looking at the bible as a secular bible because those how-to books and a lot of these like home improvement self-help guides have become secular bibles in a lot of ways mm-hmm. so he that's kind of where i think the central conflict is like the central juxtaposition is coming in yeah where he's using the bible as a secular tool mm-hmm. and the thing is is that you know the Bible, even the Bible of memory serves, mm. doesn't say you have to go explicitly by the Bible. Like, no, no, like no. there's actually like, and and all of the laws one of the apostles forth are for like ancient tribes of Israel, and so, yeah. and, and even in the New Testament of memory serves, mm. I read passages where like at least one of the apostles just said, yeah, some of the stuff this is for priests. Yeah, not every we don't expect everyone uh. to like be a virgin forever. We'll run out of people. 
Well, you have the, to do stuff. From what you I understand, I, I'm not Catholic, so I don't know. We, yeah, we, we have ministers who marry. So um, I, I don't know where the vow of chastity comes in, like why that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I understand, it's you take a vow of chastity because sex is a distraction from your work, essentially. Like you, you're not allowed to like have a second off. Yeah. You're just you're at work twenty four seven, and you know having you know a relationship, having sex, it's too much of a distraction from that. So you take a vow of chastity, no sex. I think yeah. that's I, that's also why you take a vow of poverty. You don't want to acquire wealth. That's not the the goal here. Anyway, basically our point is uh, just using the Bible as a rule book isn't even using the Bible as a rule book because mm-hmm. the Bible contradicts itself and like the second half <laughs> yeah. like if you if you do believe in the new testament the second half actively just says a lot this, of the stuff in is, the first half yeah. was wrong we're doing That's why this it's called now the new testament <laughs> when people say oh the bible contradicts itself yes the it's, second half is what you're supposed to be following well, if you're a christian if you're a christian yeah. if you're a christian specifically yeah. so like yeah so there's a lot it's really complicated to live by the Bible, and they do admittedly mm-hmm. have at least a couple of asides where they just say, "I'm trying to live literally by the Bible," mm-hmm. but which part? Because yeah. this one says you have to only wear the same type of fabric, but this one says it all has to be the same color, and this mm-hmm. one says you can't do this on this day, and it gets really confusing, and you just got to do your best. Yeah, um, and that's kind of the conclusion the show could have come up with in 20 minutes, and then it would have been over. But no. Mm-hmm. We have to keep going. The first episode, his big conundrum, because that's mm. what you have to do. You have to introduce the premise that takes some time, and then you have to at least play with that premise a little bit. So here, mm. this one, he has a friend at work mm. who is an adulterer. He's cheating on his wife. Mm. And when he tells... O- openly, like he's confiding oh yeah. in, in Chip. Yeah, he tells his, mm. his guy friends at work about his latest sexual conquest, and they all know his wife. Mm. Uh, but he says, I gotta keep it a secret, bro code, mm. and he can't do it anymore. He was feeling guilty about it even before the Bible thing, to his credit. (laughs) And when he is out at dinner, when Chip is out at dinner with his wife and he sees their mutual friend out with another woman and it's Mm. clearly not platonic, they go over there and when Chip talks to his priest and the rabbi who hangs out with the priest uh, about what does the Bible say we should do to adulterers and they said, well, you should stone them. According to the Bible, yeah. You, you should stone adulterers, but you shouldn't do that mm. because it's bad. Because that's murdering a person, yeah. That's... So Chip, finally in the middle of this conversation, just grabs a nearby rock mm. and just chucks one rock at the dude's so head. That, that counts as stoning an adulterer. Yeah, yeah. so he gets, like a, he gets like a welt, he's fine. Mm. But like, seriously though, that really could have killed him. Like you just you throw a, a, a medium sized rock at someone's head, you could kill them. And, and in, in, to the show's credit, it's one of the few like legitimately funny moments where he's sort of standing there with the rock, and he has this really pained expression on his on his face, and he looks up at heaven. And he's just sort of looking at the rock, and it's like I don't want like, Well, the tension is there. It's like, well, is he actually going to throw the rock at this this guy? And you you don't think he's going to, and when he does, it's actually a good moment of comedy. Yeah, because he he throws it and immediately bolts for the door, like. He he doesn't yeah. stay to see the, he, the consequences of that at and all. And to his credit, he doesn't well, throw it, you know, like a major league pitcher. He just sort of like lobs, lobs it a lob, little. Lobs it gently at his head. And it all works out because the guy comes home with a welt. He has to explain it to his uh, wife. He has to explain what he's been doing to his wife. He and his wife are going into counseling. Mm-hmm. And it kind of all works out. And really, if you think about it, that's kind of irresponsible because it tells people, yeah, just stone people. Like, <laughs> no, you shouldn't do that. But uh, that, it justifies his future journey that this worked out uh-huh. therefore I should keep on doing this and then his boss Cameron Manheim mm. says this premise you have could make a good series of articles 
Hmm. write those articles in addition to your film reviews. Right. And that ends up giving him more money because he's writing more content. Mm -hmm. And so it's basically all working out and he's going to be doing this for a while. And his wife is already just like, oh, good. This is what our life is like now. (laughs) Great. Uh, It's really kind of a pity that that her role is simply, you know, grit, grit your teeth and bear this. The shenanigans of the man who is clearly beneath you, which is unfortunately uh, a really common trope in American sitcoms. Yeah, the man, the, is, the, the man the, is frequently stupid. The, the woman dippy is fr- dumb guy married to a much more capable wife. This goes all the way back to the honeymooners, for oh, goodness yeah. sake. So, yeah, it's. I understand that it's a, a cliche, but oh, why couldn't it be about her? <laughs> you know? I, I don't why couldn't know. she go on the journey? She's much more you know, smarter and much more capable. Well, she, she's probably, uh, she probably wouldn't do it because she's smarter. Oh, she I knows you're not so, supposed yeah. to take the Bible literally. She's uh, not going to do this fucking mm-hmm. uh, um, this weird this stunt. experiment. It's yeah, a stunt. stunt. It's a stunt. It's a Let's stunt. be honest. They're doing the best they can to make it seem like it's about mm-hmm. his personal journey. He's making money off of it. It's a stunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second episode is the False Idols episode. We uh-huh. already talked about that a little bit. He realizes that his phone is to him a false idol. And while he is talking to the rabbi about, like, you know, the whole point was you're supposed to smash the false idol, he literally just smashes his phone right in front of them. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. What you, you told me to smash it. No, I told you. I thought you were going to, like, turn it off or put it in a drawer for a day. I didn't tell you that. And that's when he realizes. And this is actually not a bad premise for a, just an episode of any sitcom. Uh-huh. Just how many things our phones have replaced. Yeah. So he starts walking around with a fanny pack with like, you know, a, 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 a large map of the city mm. and a disposable camera and a compass and a calculator. And he looks like a dork. Yeah. And um, yeah, and he has to find his way around the city to try to get Beyonce tickets for his he and his wife's love anniversary. The anniversary, oh, the anniversary oh. of the first time they said "I love you." You know what? I know a lot of people who are in love who do weirder stuff. Uh, it's true. It's and, cute. And, it's and fine. I, I, we used to celebrate month anniversaries in the early days of our relationship. Yeah, there you but, go. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's cute, but it's one of those things that's really non-committal. Like it couldn't be an actual wedding anniversary because mm-hmm. I think Beyonce tickets are a pretty good way to celebrate your actual anniversary right it's probably hard to get and really expensive i don't Mm. like how easy they make it seem yeah i agree Mm. i love how angry you are about it but yeah i i I do agree look concert tickets are hard to get all right especially for big shows i'm with you anyway so he's wandering around town he's completely Mm. lost there is a somewhat funny subplot in which everyone at work because he's not answering his tests Mm. and his phone is going straight to voicemail which means it's off Mm. uh, they assume he's dead they assume he's dead and that he's been murdered and that's actually (laughs) kind of funny because we've been there Mm. There's no reason why, especially if you know someone well, uh-huh. for someone not to get back to you reasonably quickly in the <laughs> modern age. And just as a, as an episode revolving around cell phones, which is mm. kind of universal, this is actually not a bad episode of this show. This episode it's, is okay. It, it's again the premise is fine. It's just the quality of jokes that I'm I'm taking issue mm. with on this whole show. Um, they're all they're all really really bland characters. Yeah, we're we're stuck with the classic sitcom formula. Mm. You know, not just the the boring guy with the more capable wife, but. Mm. The, the best friends at the, the bar. Be, best friends at the bar, urban living. Uh, Wacky you know, co-workers. The, the way things are paced and the the assumption of very basic comedic tropes that you see coming up all the time on like Family Feud, like nagging mothers-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, we got that. Yeah. La- lazy guys um, mm-hmm. being threatened by a security guard. Uh, just 
I don't know why comic I that relief yeah. guy stays over for because on the couch and yeah, is an annoyance. Tr- trying, yeah, one one uh, one extra lascivious character that other people are really uncomfortable around. Mm-hmm. Um, a general discomfort with sexual matters in general is is part of this. Well, that brings us to episode three, mm-hmm. "Loving Thy Neighbor," mm-hmm. uh, in which uh, Chip has neighbors and they are uh, upstairs neighbors. Have, yeah. Well, that's the twist. Oh, okay. I thought no. Sorry. So, like, uh, uh, they have neighbors. They mm. are they have sex, and when they have sex, they noisy, listen to re- noisy lovemakers. They have they listen to really loud EDM music. Mm. We've all been there, and uh, <laughs> so like they so it's really loud. It's really annoying, mm. and he's hating his neighbors. And that's when, of course, the priest tells him you're supposed to love your neighbors. Mm. And that's when he and he's of course, like, love my neighbor means love everyone. But, and they yeah. explain that. Yeah, yeah. They explain that. You're supposed to love your neighbors. And I was like, well, okay, well, do I have to love them? No, like literally you have to love everybody. Mm. You have to find something to love and appreciate about every human being. Mm. And he's like, oh, that's hard. And it is. <laughs> yeah. It's it really is. hard. And what we find out is he actually, there's Cheryl, played by Sarah Gilbert at work, who is... Doesn't really care much about like personal space. Interjects herself into conversations. Mm. Says weird and uncomfortable things. Um, shares her own sexual misadventures without being prompted. Yeah. So he is about to like yell at her to get away from his desk because she's being Cheryl. Mm. And then he realizes, oh, okay, Cheryl, and he puts his arms around her. Mm. I love you, and he hugs her, mm. and then she runs away. And accuses and him of sexual harassment. Yeah he, yeah, he thinks he did a good thing, but she was like, that was really, like, uncomfortable for me. Mm. And they have to have this big conversation about it. And, yeah, okay. Mm. They actually, like, that's actually, like, well, a pretty good and, way and to is, talk about this. Th- like, this is the kind of the revolutionary thing about what he's trying to do, is that he has to learn how to love people, and the world is full of cynicism and suspicion. Uh-huh. And if you walk up to somebody on the street, if somebody walked up to you on the street and said, I love you, you'd freak out a little bit. Right, you but also... You would feel the warmth of the moment, and well, you know, connect to yourself to the universe. But also, just, it's about boundaries, and it's about mm-hmm. his boundaries in terms of he is following his faith, his religion, mm-hmm. his personal path, that might have nothing whatsoever to do with what the person next to him is going through. Yeah, yeah. And by basically forcing that person into a situation where they have to deal with the way you need to express your religious beliefs, you can mm-hmm. make them really uncomfortable, and you can potentially do so in such a way that mm-hmm. you do stretch the boundaries of legality. And at the very least, they addressed it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's resolved too easily, but at the very least, they addressed it, and I, and I appreciated that. Um it turns out the neighbors that they were mad at weren't the neighbors who were having all the loud mm. sex. It's, uh, even for neighbors that were further afield. Um, the neighbors that they thought were having the loud sex, mm. they finally like knock on the door to, to have a conversation with them. And it's an elderly couple. Mm. And, uh, well, I, and, and to, to the show's credit, like he balks a little bit and it's like, oh, old people having sex. But he he doesn't like start like popping his monocle and go are you, are you the people having like he's mildly he just, surprised he's mildly surprised and he says okay clearly you guys are having a lot of noisy sex and that's cool no what he literally says is good for you yeah <laughs> you're an inspiration to us all but uh-huh. you're very loud and that's when they realize that it's their mutual neighbor who lives upstairs mm. and then they talk to those people off screen and it turns out okay yeah fine big climax whatever well Mm. Not anymore. Ah, moving on. There, there was an episode of Platypus Man, which we'll get to on Council too soon, eventually, about this very You're thing. Obsessed with Platypus Look, Man. Uh, all right, all right. 
There are four shows that launched the UPN. The Platypus Man was one of them. Yes. And uh, and it stars comedian Richard Jenny, who I happen to love a lot. And uh, there was an episode where he, uh, like, his best friend wanted uh, wanted a child and asked, like, her three best male friends to contribute sperm. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to, like, have a relationship or get married. She just wanted to have a child. And, yeah. she, and it turns out Richard Jenny had the only viable sperm of her group of friends. Like, everybody else had, like been exposed to radiation or I actually things. saw this episode you saw this one I did and but his sperm wouldn't like it couldn't stand being frozen so they actually just had to have sex and the joke was they had a lot of trouble because they had noisy lovemaker neighbors and they were trying to get in the mood but the mood of the neighbors was overwhelming them and they just couldn't they couldn't bring themselves to do it sad but there was no discomfort with sex it was just discomfort with the scenario yeah it was still awkward for other reasons. Yeah. yeah. The next episode, Thou Shalt Not Steal. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, of course, the episode about murder. Uh-huh. Now it's about stealing. Wouldn't it be great if there wasn't, like, a murder episode? They'd like, have to get to it eventually. He like, works at a newspaper. He can just follow the crime beat. Like, he can just do it. Like, it's all kinds of stuff. Or it just suddenly gets really dark. Like, one of the main cast is murdered, and he sees the killer get away with it, and he has to take the, <laughs> you know, try to get blood revenge, but no, he can't. Thou shalt not steal, of course, he realizes that uh, stealing is bad and that he's kind of been doing it in little ways Mm. throughout his entire life. Everything from... Taking things home from the office. Taking things home from the office. That's what kicks it off, taking home office supplies. Mm. But then he realizes that there's the little things he took, like um, when he first met his wife at a bar, he stole a mug as a Mm. memento, which is super romantic. But then he looks at his wife and says, and I got to give it back. And she's like, what? (laughs) Like, you, what? (laughs) Um, and, uh, it also is a problem because they want to watch Game of Thrones together. And they're stealing cable. And they're stealing cable. And they can't afford the full cable package. Mm. And at this point, I'm yelling at the screen going, HBO Now is like $10 a month. <laughs> you don't need to spend $100 on cable if you're only watching Game of Thrones. Mm. Just, just $10 a month. Or how, about, the- how about this? Wait one year. And then watch Game of Thrones. It's hard because people, you know, want to talk about it. It's it's no. event programming. Just just wait till it's on Blu-ray. Rent it from I, your local. It's going to be store. spoiled. If it's a good enough show, <laughs> but it's a really eventful show. It's like right. constantly full of twists. You don't want to do that all the time. It's all annoying. Right. It's I, annoying. Okay. Anyway, so the whole premise of the episode is mm. fucked. Um, and but he, he calls out his office for stealing office supplies, and he starts saying, "Oh well, everybody's stealing a little bit." And so he, he says, we got to put a stop to this. No more stealing from the office. And everybody gets really angry at him because they've all been stealing pretty brazenly mm-hmm. on a daily basis since day one. And kind of passive aggressively. Like it's their mm. way of like when Cameron Mannheim yells at them, mm. they just drag a stapler into their purse. Yeah. And Cameron Mannheim <laughs> literally has to go up to Chip and just say, hey, listen. Stealing from the office is a time-honored American tradition. We expect them to do it. Hmm. It keeps the peace. <laughs> it's, a, it's a way for everyone to let off steam. Hmm. We're fine with losing some pads of paper. Yeah. Like, we're fine with it. And it gets to, it's actually, it's funnier in, in premise. And there's a lot of bits in this that are funny, like, on a flashcard. But mm-hmm. I don't actually laugh out loud when you're funny when you watch it. Mm-hmm. But there's like a kind of a funny ending where Cameron Mannheim puts a whole like several boxes of office supplies like mm-hmm. on the desk in the break room and just says, "Okay, everybody, go to it." No, she doesn't say that. She has to, she has to not say it. Oh, that's what, just that's say, what's uh, funny. We just we, got this shipment, so don't make sure not to touch these. Yeah, no, this supplies, is just way yeah. more office supplies than we actually need. If anything happened to him, we really wouldn't. 
wouldn't like be something we'd, we'd really prosecute. So, um, but anyway, I'm going to go for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> and when I come back, I'm not going to look at this table. Wink. <laughs> That's That was kind of funny. That was kind of funny. That was kind of funny. I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, the problem with this show is, on again, on the paper it sounds okay. In practice, I laugh an average of once per episode. A, a little chuckle. Usually, That's a couple of good Usually gags. a David Crumholtz. There's one good... I think my favorite line from the whole series, and it's not a David Crumholtz line, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, someone said, are you serious? And the guy said, I'm as serious as a comedy on Amazon. And I'm like... Okay, you wrote that. That's a good line. Somebody's paying attention. That's a a funny line. Uh, That's pretty good. It's one of the only lines where they pay attention to pop media. The the main Mm -hmm. character is a film critic, and they really rarely acknowledge what he does. First of all, he he must be a really sucky critic, Mm because... We hear some of his some of his writing, and he's just bad. It's it's pretty bad. There's a, there's uh, but, one where he's got he's got to see a movie called Tinderella. Mm-hmm. And it's a modern update, Cinderella for the internet age. Honestly, probably not something that would have gone to theaters, but whatever. It's a slow week, and he has mm-hmm. to do a TV. I don't know, whatever. He's he says, "Oh, I got to stay up late and watch this movie. I got to work." And his wife, who works at a hospital, mm-hmm. he's just like, "Oh, that's great. I jump started someone's heart today." But yeah, you go to work, honey. And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Okay, that part's right. <laughs> <laughs> that part is accurate. The scorn of people who have quote unquote real, real jobs, jobs, yeah, totally warranted. I totally get it. It's he, a real thing. He, he should have shot back. Okay, you sit here and you're going to watch every minute of this with me. Uh huh. If it yeah, does people- not work, I want to show you how much not work it is. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing too. Uh-huh. Um, but then like his boss is on him for days to write this review, and I'm like. Don't, How much advance notice did you get on Tinderella? Usually you only get a couple of days, if that. Even on big releases. Sometimes um, you only have like a 12-hour like turnaround like, on those things. Like, I gotta, I gotta go see like a movie on Monday night. Mm-hmm. I have to have the review in by like 8 a.m. the next morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's, like it's super that's, fast. That's part of the job. He's, he's never going to, to theaters. He's never referring to any of the, the, the theaters around New York. He's never talking about, you know, repertory or our house screenings. Mm-hmm. He makes one reference to the Purge movies and he gets the titles wrong. And he makes another reference to the Babe movies, and that's kind of it. Yeah, it, movies are not his life, which is really weird. Mm. You do not become it's a like film critic if you if you're good at other stuff. No, like you, that's if, just true. If you were a newspaper man in the late 1940s. Mm-hmm. And they needed somebody on the movie beat. They didn't choose a cinephile. They didn't choose a movie obsessive. They chose, like, a kid to go to the movies and write them up. Mm-hmm. And you were a part of the newspaper enclave. And that, and you were expected to know a lot about movies and see a lot about them. But eventually, after experience, you're mm-hmm. more than anything, you were a reporter. You yeah. were a film critic, you were a reporter. Give, give them the gist of it. I, I, I read Roger Ebert's autobiography yeah. and he talked about and he always saw himself it wasn't until later on in his career that he started seeing himself as sort of like a film guy when he first started up he was a newspaper man he always wanted to be seen as a newspaper man that's where this world is set chip is a newspaper guy who works for a newspaper he doesn't care about movies at all why are you taking this model from the 1940s that nobody even from two generations ago even remembers mm-hmm. And putting it into the, the modern workplace. It doesn't work. You don't understand anything about film criticism, and that drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah, like, and film criticism is not a complicated... 
from like from like I could explain everything you'd need to know to write about the mm. job of film criticism. I could do it in an hour, or if, just the gist of it, so that you could write it in a sitcom and look right. I could do it in about an hour as like a script consultant, and yeah. they needed a film critic on set to just sort of tell you the ins and outs of the film criticism world. You, your job would be done within three episodes tops. Yeah. It's like you would have shared everything you need to know about the ins and outs to enough to insert it into a sitcom. Most film critics don't need to go into an office. Most film mm. critics, you know, can write a review in under half an hour if they if they're instant oh, inspired wow. an hour like if mm-hmm. necessary but like it really doesn't take that long like it's oh well, aren't you bragging now <laughs> well, like, a straight up review not like a complicated oh, okay. oh. you know a really thoughtful incisive editorial mm-hmm. about it a straight up cuz when you think about it he's a print film critic mm-hmm. there's way less space that print film critics have to work with and in fact m- with the exception of some of the bigger reviews mm-hmm. which might take up half the front page of the calendar section or the arts entertainment section mm. or whatever. If you're doing something called Tinderella, that's 400 words in the back, in like the back half of the, yeah, that, of that's, the, that's, of the, that's the capsule. And yeah. of like the recap of everything, everything else. Opening yeah, like seriously, yeah. ma- I'd say a maximum of 400 words. Mm. That's ha- that's, that's half an hour. Mm. And that's just like 15 minutes for something like Tinderella. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no way that film is longer than 93 minutes. Oh, I would be shocked. Mm. And yet... Eh. <laughs> Sorry, this is just me bitching about you know them de- getting the details wrong. Mm. Next episode. The next episode. Uh, honor thy father. Mm. Uh, the great Christopher McDonald shows up as Chip's father. Chip's father mm. is a jerk-ass. He's a, a Lothario, and he always treated Chip very badly. I mean, not like not like horrifically. Just wasn't yeah. there for him. Mm. Uh, che- yeah, uh, cheated uh, on his mom. Bad, bad, bad father in that sitcom sort of way. He couldn't. Yeah, yeah he couldn't be like an abusive father. That's too dark for a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, he couldn't have done like some sort of horrendous crime unless it's like he's a bank robber and isn't that wacky? Yeah, some like he's an embezzler. Yeah, you know. Like that's like he was quite drunk. bad actually, but like he's drunk and he ran over someone with his car. Oh God, we can't have that in a sitcom. Yeah, that's, that's not good. Okay, so he's he's bad in the funniest way possible. Yeah, and mm. Christopher McDonald. So he's always you know he's the bad he's, guy from Happy Gilmore. He's fun. And he's a funny guy. Yeah. Chip learns to honor him. Yeah. Is, was there more to this one? Like well, I'm, I'm struggling uh, honestly because like the whole point is like you don't have to like. Respect them, but you do have to like treat them reasonably well because oh, they give you life. Well, there was a way to say this without getting schmaltzy the way it did. It's like, and, and I respect what you did as you know the, the little effort that you put in. At least you were there as my father sometimes, and I respect yeah. that. And how about I, I don't respect you? You need to be a better person because you are such a terrible father, and you need to learn to do something a little bit better. Um, mm. I'm going to honor that you let me see this. Yeah. But you, you know there there's a way there's a way to honor him without sort of letting him off the hook the way the the show yeah. did. Uh the next episode is False Witness and mm. I actually wrote down the quote wrong or mm. I I was quoting it wrong. Mm. I'm a series as a comedy on Netflix and if you've ever watched BoJack Horseman. Oh okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't watch that show. It depresses me. It it makes me too sad. I know it's supposed to be funny, and sometimes it is, but my God. Somebody asked me to watch uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I said, this is hilarious. It's a hilarious show. And it it gave me anxiety. It's like, this is is horrendous. This is is terrible. He's a terrible person. Uh, So in this episode, uh, Chip Mm -hmm. can't lie. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Do you ever remember the plot of this episode other than that? Like, what was, how was this literalized? It's seriously gone from my brain. Look, I've seen the movie Liar Liar, where he was like under a spell where he like physically could, just could not lie. He had to tell the truth when someone asked him a question. Right. And that was a funny movie. Because Jim Carrey did it, and they turned it into this sitcom feature, and it was fine. It's a good, efficient well, Hollywood screenplay. The genius of it is that he didn't want to do it and was constantly yeah. fighting his own body, and that's mm-hmm. something that's perfect for Jim Carrey. For Jim Carrey. He was able to like sort of like reach into his mouth to yeah. bring the lie out, and he couldn't yeah. do it. Brilliant performance. Um, here, he just sort of rolls his eye and hems and haws and sells the truth. Yeah, even when it's inconvenient. Mm-hmm. New it's, guy, it's, they're trying to never... woo over to the newspaper. He tells them the newspaper kind of sucks. And he's like, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. Thank you for your candor, sir. Yeah, okay. it, it's never anything horrible like, hey, did, did you ever commit this horrible crime? Well, yes, I did. Yes, I sacrificed well, eight goats to Gaul. <laughs> Isn't that the owl book? Yes, it is. <laughs> To the, yes, it is. To, to, to the Guardians of Gahul, the movie? Yes. yes I it, took, was, it was a bad movie. I had to distract myself. I, I took it very seriously. Moving on. Uh, the next episode. I, I have not seen The Owls of Gahul, and you, Still, you tell me it's, it's good. It's Zack Snyder's best movie. I'll, I'll take your word for that. Okay. Uh, the I, next I have no reason not to believe that. The next episode was Let Us Pray, and this one's about the power of prayer. And Chip realizes that he's really unpracticed with prayer. Mm. Prayer is an interesting thing because it's kind of like there really isn't like a wrong way to do it. There are like selfish ways to do it. But like he makes it seem like just talking to God is like socially awkward for him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And which is kind of funny. But like, yeah, the whole point is when do I pray? How do I pray? What do I pray? Who do I pray? And and that's that's what churches are for. They sort of put that structure in there for you. Uh, This is the episode where they get stuck in an elevator. They're trapped for for a while. Cameron Mannheim thinks they're all going to die. And he finally says, okay, listen, it's a desperate situation. Let's pray and we'll make us feel better. Mm -hmm. And they pray. And then immediately a guy like pops in from like the the top of the elevator just saying I'm here to save you man yeah. yeah, like like yeah the hatch opens and light shines down and isn't that cute and Visual. he's now convinced that you know basically God did him a solid mm. and uh, then of course his atheist mother-in-law comes mm. home grills him mm. basically makes it horrible they get in an argument she has a heart attack. Yeah. Based on the argument, and she's you know it, it's looking pretty dicey. And his wife, who again is an atheist or at least an agnostic, mm-hmm. uh, is convinced. Like, hey, listen, I, let's try that prayer thing. Mm-hmm. And they pray, and then immediately they wheel her out into the hallway, saying yeah. she's fine. I, I would have pre- preferred where they they pray together, and she just says thanks for that, mm-hmm. and that and that's it. And then like the next morning, she's fine. Yeah, you know, making over, it a joke like that kind of like. It kind of undercuts the seriousness of it. And then he asks, you know, so what do you think about prayer? And she says, you know what? Still not for me. But but, like, you, but I, she I, admits I, that I there admit, was a moment when I admit it there, there was a moment when that sort of thing helped. But yeah, no. just, I, I don't believe just saying a few words can affect physical reality. And, she, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's really kind of fair. I wish they'd given the mother-in-law a little bit more character rather than just the sort of sniping mother-in-law character that you'd see in the Flintstones. For yeah, like, she, but, like yeah. her arguments are like really pithy. Yeah, like she's just like, what are you gonna go build an ark? No, I'm literally, I, I'm not like mad. I don't mm. think I'm Noah. <laughs> I'm just trying to live by the Bible. Mm. And she was, are you gonna turn water into wine? No, I'm not. Like you're just willfully missing the point <laughs> for like no reason. Like there was plenty of legit arguments you could make about why well, this and, is a terrible idea. You're not up, making those, which they bring uh, bring up in a later episode. Submit to thy husband, where oh, yeah. um, Cameron Manheim and and. Uh, 
uh, uh, Leslie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't want to call her the wife character. Lindsay Craft is the name of the actor. Uh, Lindsay Craft uh, have a, a scene in, where they're just sort of hanging out in a bar, and they look up on the phone passages passages in the Bible about women and how women were treated like chattel in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of space for women in in a lot mm-hmm. of parts of the of the Bible. They never tell you which version of the Bible he's using. No, they're pretty hazy on it. It's, yeah. it. No, no, it's the one with the black cover and a cross on it. Oh, that one. Yeah. So probably King James Version. Sure. Yeah, it's probably King James Version. I don't that's, know. that's the popular one. Well, no, because he's Catholic. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. He's well, Catholic. Which one's. Which King James is not. Is? Was King James not Catholic? Okay, no, so we're King not James- religious scholars. <laughs> We're not religious scholars. We freely admit to this. Well, I, 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 we, we use the New, Re- New Revised Standard Version, and it's okay. and we even use, like, multiple translations. Is the New Revised Standard so. Version, like, Super Street Fighter Turbo? Like, they just keep adding good stuff? Uh, they, they keep, like, altering the language a lot, so okay. it, it feels a lot more modern. Well, Somebody tried to translate the Bible into, like, really modern, colloquial English. Oh, and that's it, been it, weird. It sounds so strange. Like, I, I thumbed well, through a little bit of that one. That's a I mean, the Bible strange. has been translated and retranslated yeah, and... and, and those translations have affected the way people have actually well, and, worshipped. And which, and, books, which books are in, which yeah. books are out. It's all been constructed kind of hazily over the years, and they never bring any of that up. Um, the next yeah. episode is Show Hospitality. Uh, mm-hmm. Rabbi Gill, turns out his wife has been cheating on him, and he's being kicked well, out of the house. With another rabbi. With another rabbi, no less. So he's he's left, and he has nowhere to go, and Chip offers to let him sleep on their couch, and of course mm-hmm. he's an annoying house guest. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Again, D- David Krumholtz was given like one of the more cliched sitcom scenarios. You're mm-hmm. the bad house guest type. And again, he he's a very talented comedian. He's incredibly funny. He's a very good actor. Mm-hmm. And he is really, really trying to give Gil a lot of character and present what are really bland jokes with as much character as he can possibly give them. I have a feeling that if David Krumholtz was allowed to improvise his dialogue, the show would have improved greatly. Well, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say two things about David Krumholtz's mm. character. One, he's frustrating to me because when he's introduced, mm. he's introduced with just as much dignity as any other character. Okay, he's he's seen as you know it's not Chip's religion, but he has just as much authority. Yeah, as his priest. Um, and they're funny together, but mm. they don't ha- they haven't like fallen into some really like lame sitcom cliche rhythms. Mm. By this episode they had. Gil has become the funny, annoying character. Yeah. You know, the one who's constantly doing something wacky or socially awkward or using the bathroom when you shouldn't and mm. doesn't know when not to dance. And he, he just he is transformed into something that is an easier joke. Yeah. It's easier to write. It's not a better character. And it really is doing David Krumholtz a disservice. Because he has like Cheesier, well, lamer and, stuff to do, and Sarah Gilbert, and Cameron Manham, and and yeah. the, you know these are like really, really talented actors who are quite frankly better than this material. There's a character they introduce a couple episodes in. Is the character's name is Warren, and he is played by uh, John Eric Bentley. Oh, is this the security guard? Security guard, yeah. yeah. He's mostly known for uh, a lot of voiceover work. He's on Turbo Fast. He was in the original Sailor Moon mm-hmm. American dub. Um, but yeah, he plays a security guard. And the joke of the security guard when you first meet him, mm-hmm. it's in the episode about stealing office supplies. And he's trying to return all these office supplies. But the security guard sees him, realizes that sneaking in in the middle of the night to return office supplies is stupid and no one would do that so he detains him and he doesn't know this security guard and the gag is everyone else knows the security guard and they love him he's like one of the most popular guys in the office so even though he seems really stern and like Chip's enemy he's actually great 
<laughs> That's actually kind of a funny way to introduce a character. By the end of the series, he's become just another wacky guy. He has no particular, you know, defining characteristic. He just does wacky thing. Like in an episode mm. where he shows up with dip that doesn't look appetizing. That's and, it. And then, well, then he eats it and, and, he, gives him, and he has to poop. That's like, it. One bite of the dip gives him the runs, and that's because the runs are funny. It gets dumber ooh. over time. It gets dumber. It yeah. shouldn't get dumber. It should get better. It's like like that's the, how shows should go. I, it feels like they didn't Especially expect within the first season. It feels like they didn't expect this one to go to series. <laughs> like they made the like that. This really interesting idea is like, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, it would be a good idea. Why don't we shoot that? It's a yeah, shoot that. It's a better it's movie cool. than a pilot because you want yeah. you want to finish his journey. Yeah. Again, imagine season five. What do we? What do we? What do we got? Like, don't eat shrimp. Like, we're gonna be running. We're, we're down to don't eat shrimp. Like, that's I, what we got. I would love the episode where you know it's the all those like really horrible wacky laws in Leviticus that all the homophobes like to hammer on. It's like, oh, so we're supposed to murder women who have menstrual cycles now? It's yeah, like it's insanity. What 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 am I what am I supposed to do with these laws? The last, hey, here's an idea. The last you don't season. follow those. I got it. Last season, uh-huh. Revelation. <laughs> yes, it's it, in the Bible. All that is completely he's, literal. He's got to like, oh God, who's the Antichrist? And he starts going completely insane, and it would be amazing. <laughs> the next episode uh, uh, was "Never Let Loyalty Leave You." Um, this is one where the priest starts saying that Chip is kind of taking up a lot of his time as a priest, mm. and he's not wrong about that. Mm. And Chip but says, I'll, okay, I'll visit I, my... F- I, I have a whole congregation here. We, vis- never, we never see him at work, but he has a whole congregation. Yeah, he, he surely has other stuff to yeah. do. And so he decides to go to his new best friend's uh, church, the Baptist church. Mm. Everyone dresses up. There's gospel music. Mm. It's nice. I've been to the Baptist church. It's really cool. Um, and they <laughs> they have more fun. Yeah, and that actually leads to this sort of crisis of maybe not faith but confidence mm-hmm. in the Catholic priest, where it's just like, look, Catholicism has been doing the same thing for centuries. I admit it's not fun, and it's actually like there's a bit. It's it's more funny on the page than it is in the episode. But there's a bit at the end where like in the midst of like mass, he he whips out a guitar and tries to do an epic solo, mm-hmm. and it's kind of cool for a second. He's like, you know what, this isn't me. This Open is up it. your your books. Yeah. <laughs> It's not right. Well, and, and you know, th- this actually comes to something that I was writing about recently at the behest of a Patreon subscriber about sort of the way we've come to value information that's more entertaining yeah. than the information that's not. And uh, there's a chapter in that book about how t- how televangelists have sort of warped religion in a lot of ways because they're trying to turn the word of God, something that is very ancient and definitely very stodgy, into something that is kind of really quick and entertaining and mm. if you they can kind of grab you within the span of a commercial you know over a commercial break then that's somehow more valuable spirituality in the modern age and a lot of churches have been trying to go that way and i wish that it had sort of gone full bore there's an episode of the simpsons kind of like this where the church went full bore entertaining and they put like airplane seats in the church and lisa became completely disillusioned with the church yeah you're, wa- was, you're walking to the church about all these superficial things there's a now. mcdonald's uh, and there's someone saying get your money changed in the temple yeah it's uh-huh. yeah like, that's the <laughs> like, point like, <laughs> that was in the bible what? no this is this isn't what church is supposed to be like and i like that he had this moment where he's like i'm gonna whip out my guitar and be the the rock and roll preacher the entertaining one's like no that's not what faith is about. Yeah. Just, faith just, isn't just, about like turning it into some cheap, lame entertainment that everyone can enjoy. Mm. Watch Living Biblically. <laughs> Every week on CBS. Uh, the next episode is Submit to Thy Husband. We've mm. already talked a bit about it. The episode mostly kicks off when uh, Chip 
suggests to his wife that when the baby is born, she should quit her job and stay home. Ne- never and, mind that she earns a lot more than he oh, does. That's her first reaction yeah. is, Chip, you're a film critic. I am a doctor, like a, a, a or like a nurse or something. Like mm. she's, I don't think she's actually a doctor, but she's yes. got a really important job at a hospital. Mm. And like her whole thing is, I make a lot more money than you. That's the stupidest thing you could have possibly said. Film critics do not make a lot of money. They well, just don't. He, and they can do a lot of their work from home. He's Chip, confident, you're going to be staying home. He's confident, though, because his column, the Living Biblically column, is making him a lot of money. Yeah, it's not so making him that much money. A, so, no, but you know what? Even, even with those much. two gigs, he's not making as much as a doctor, I can assure you. You're, you're making, if you're doing better than most, you're making like $40,000 a year, Chip. <laughs> Your wife is making more money. Your job can literally be done from home most of the time. You're staying home with that kid. Mm. Whitney, speaking as someone whose wife has a real <laughs> office job. And makes a lot more money than yeah. me. Yeah. And what happened when you had a kid? Uh, we both kept working. Yeah. <laughs> and, but you did most of your stuff from home, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's how it works. Mm. Chip is a dumbass. <laughs> Unless she brings up how sexist it is. And you're right, it is sexist. It's so mind-bogglingly sexist because there's not even a logical application for it. He didn't even realize how sexist it was when he said it. It's like, you're you're the mom. You should stay home. And he thought he was doing her a favor in asking. Yeah, like, you don't have to work. your, your, Your job stresses you out. How about I take care of us? And he thought he was doing her a favor. Uh-huh. Not really realizing that's her freaking livelihood. She uh-huh. doesn't want to stop working. That's her life. She went to college for that. Like, like how, he wants to do this. Did, did you... How about you bring it up in the following ways? Hey, how are we going to take care of the kid once it's here? Yeah, that's what a practical are, consideration. Mm, you are going to have to have that talk. Have, have a talk about it. Yeah. I get that talk is, is, is stressful. Mm. But, but have, have, have the, that fucking have talk. talk. <laughs> it's another one where like you want to like milk every conceivable aspect of a person's life mm. for humor in a sitcom. But at, at some point, by trying to make it into a thing, mm. you've made it into something stupid and kind of monstrous. Yeah. <laughs> the next episode is Thou Shalt Not Covet. One of the weirder commandments, if you ask me. It's, it seems pretty general. Feels it's, more like feels more like a seven deadly sins greed thing than because you have en- to want envy. Envy is the you one, have yeah. to want stuff, right? You have to like well, want to get out of bed and you know co- coveting, aspire. Co- you know? Coveting is about specifically coveting material possessions. It, it's uh, coveting money, having things around you, and the the point. In my interpretation, the point of that commandment is just not to get distracted. That's why. That's why from from like purity and working hard and thinking. Which is why, to me, it feels more like a seven deadly sin because the seven Mm. deadly sins are something that are kind of an innate part of the human condition. But when you define, are distractions from virtue. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like everyone is a little gluttonous once in a while. Everyone's Mm. a little lazy once in a while. But like when that's your defining characteristic, then it's a problem. Mm. That's how I feel about coveting. I feel like it's not so much a commandment as it is a seven deadly sin kind of deal. But that's me being a lax Catholic, but whatever. (laughs) Lapsed Catholic. Uh, So uh, in this one, uh, Chip wants an award. And Mm. his best friend also is up for the same award. Sports writer. That's the... the, the and uh, Chip yeah. uh, is a whole. It's a lot. He gets La La landed. They say his name, but actually, and he says, mm. you know, ha ha. I'm so glad I won this award. While he's wearing a Thou Shall Not Covet cap. Yeah, which he, he made he, for himself. Yes, what, he, what does he do? He's like, oh, I really covet this award. What do I do? And the priest says the logical thing. Well, how about you? You hope you you want your friend to win. 
wouldn't it be great if your friend won? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it would be great if my friend won. Of course, he doesn't take it to heart. He just sort of says it. Yeah, and then once he thinks he's won, he's uh-huh. all about himself. And when it turns out his friend actually won the award, he's bummed out. And his justification is, oh, it's just a stupid award. And that hurts his friend's feeling because mm-hmm. his friend just earned an award. Also award, yeah. Yeah, so How about he keeps congr- digging himself a bigger hole, which I can appreciate is actually like a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're starting to get into the fact that he's, and, and we already addressed this, he's doing this biblical life more is sort of like this weird social experiment and there's no word as to what sort of edification he's getting out of it like he's getting a column out of it he's getting money out of it but there's no word as to whether or not he feels like he's becoming a better person as a result of living by these rules or that he's living closer to god or that he's achieving anything he's just sort of doing it because it's kind of funny He's trying to put himself in wacky scenarios. Yeah. He's living by rules that he kind of knows are already right. He's not changing anything major about well, his life too drastic. And if you think about it, if he was really mm. doing this for his own reasons, not mm. like for the purpose of an ongoing column mm. or for the purpose of writing a book, if he's doing this just because he thinks it's the right thing to do, he would do all these things at once. Yeah. He wouldn't yeah, do it in stages. Like he week would just by week. Yeah. Like I realized there'd be things where he would like learn valuable lessons and like, you know, come to realizations over the course of it, but he mm. wouldn't just pick one thing in the Bible to focus on every week. Mm. He would be doing it all at once. It would be difficult, yeah. but he would be doing it. So it doesn't work. Um the last, uh, second last episode is It is Better to Give Than to Receive. Uh, the office has a yearly charity function in which they ride roller coasters, and somehow that helps kids. I, I think they're supposed to get, like, sponsors. Yeah, like, you, for how every, many roller coasters minute, can you ride? Every minute you rode on a roller coaster will donate X number of dollars to kids. But and they mostly do the, it because they like roller coasters. Yeah, the, the, they have no sacrifice. They get to ride a bunch of roller coasters, and they have fun. <laughs> so this year, Chip convinces them to help his mm. local church build a house for, for an impoverished who, family. For an yeah. impoverished family. Noble effort. Turns out they're all kind of selfish and shitty people. Like they, and they, they mostly, well, they, they're eager to run away. They, they want to take pictures of themselves doing charitable work, but not actually do the work. Mm. Which is a conversation we can have. That's about fine. the difficulties of... Separating your ego from charity. Yeah, and mm. also just the difficulty of doing charity. It's hard. <laughs> and you have to dedicate time. And oftentimes we're just so busy trying to like keep a roof over our head. Mm. It's difficult to... Actually, make time to dedicate a long period of time. Being a good person is hard work. <laughs> it is, and I can appreciate that. It's just not a funny episode. Mm-hmm. The last episode, Cameron Mannheim is fired, and Chip is in a position where this, he's... this is where we leave the leaving biblically premise entirely. Now well, it's just about the characters. Well, the episode is called David and Goliath, so they are kind of taking uh, some inspiration. Uh, it's it's a stretch now, though, because it's not about the rules within the Bible. In any case, it's now the it's season... just making an allusion to a Bible story. It's the season finale. Uh-huh. Uh, it's him kind of putting all of his like lessons to good use in order to get his boss mm-hmm. rehired. He does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it ends with the revelation of... Revelation. Yeah. It ends with uh, them, because by the way, mm-hmm. his wife's pregnant. Kind of only came up like in the first episode and then in the last episode before this, when she mm-hmm. only just started to show. Uh-huh. But they haven't really talked about it very much. And in this episode, there's like, oh, we're going to find out. Is it going to be a boy or a girl? And they find out very publicly that it's going to be twins. A boy and a girl. And there's actually, Hmm. I really do appreciate, because I think she's not given enough to do, Uh but Lindsay Craft, when she's good in the show, she's quite good. And I think the way that she handles the final episode is pretty good, because Hmm. when they announce that it's going to be twins, Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Two things happen. First off, she says, oh, great. We're going to be poor forever. <laughs> Which was a really funny, like, I'm excited for twins, but this also sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and like, okay. But then when, uh, you know, Chip was just like, I thought I had everything set, but if we're going to be raising two kids, I'm going to have to live twice as biblically as before. And it's her just going, no. No, no, you don't, have to, you don't have to do that. And the last shot is like an overhead spinning shot of her on her knees, screaming to the heavens. No, yeah, like in like a, in like a straight jacket, like, like it's like the or like the end of the devils or something. They, and cut, just, they cut to her trial after she crucified her husband. Yeah, yeah and, with, and 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 no one convicted her because you to do it too. <laughs> like he had it coming. I feel like hmm. they want her frustration to be more of like a centerpiece on the show mm. but the more you play it up the more they would get divorced oh, well, the, yeah, <laughs> or he would more... have to change like you can't yeah. you can't really delve into well, her it's, legitimate it's like, complaints it's like the Simpsons you know how how dumb can Homer be before the family just leaves him behind it's like they have to keep manufacturing sweetness to place on Homer just so people stay around like we have to make sure this guy's kind of a lovable boob mm-hmm. he, he's got this annoying habit but it's tolerable now that's the thing i feel like living biblically is is in this weird nebulous place where mm. it wants to be kind of plausible you know kind of believable mm. but it's also really arch because it's an old-fashioned three-camera sitcom yeah and the premise only works if it's super arch but it's not so arch it goes into good place territory or mm. or even Malcolm in the Middle where everything is just kind of broad and surreal. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it would have been broad and surreal if they had really embraced it and gone kind of kind of nuts. You mm. know, really put some Mel Brooks in that. You know, like okay. so just had some real fun with it. You could have had something really, really, really great because yeah. the actual like sort of middle of the road version, I feel like you could only do mm. as a 90 minute feature. And even then... It's probably not going to be great. Yeah. Well, and here's here's another way you could make even a, a multi-camera sitcom like a broad one the way it is could have worked. First of all, it's a network show, so you can't go too dark with it. But it needs to be set in not just the real world, but a really crappy corner of the real world. Mm-hmm. A cynical they, version. A of cynical version. Yeah. yeah look ev- at the ugly stuff. Not not where everybody's just sort of vaguely wryly cynical, but people are like genuinely cynics mm-hmm. and. Like, the, How, like, like what it's happens, a wonderful life if George Bailey had never been born. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's set in Pottersville. Yeah. And if you can set a sitcom like this in Pottersville, where everybody, you can even make it, they could be comically dark. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's some yeah. joke, like the, the bartender character, there's a couple jokes where, like, she may have, like, murdered somebody. Mm-hmm. Oh, she how, was in. A, she was in a cult. That she, was that's right. She was funny. in a cult. You know, how, she, that's another more, one where her character was really interesting when they first introduced her because mm-hmm. she was in a cult. She's in witness protection, mm-hmm. and then as the show went on, they just came up with less and less for her to do, and she mm-hmm. becomes the person who walks by with a one-liner in the middle of a scene, yeah. and then leaves. It's like, oh gosh, I killed a cat. You know, cat meat. Cat meat tastes great, and then she just moves on. It's like that was very strange. <laughs> if every character was that. <laughs> Like, it was set in this really dark universe where the, just virtue and holiness and purity are gone. Well, I mean, it's not and you try to bring, you know, that sort of living biblically into it, then I think that's well, fine. If you look at a movie like uh, like a mm. good movie, maybe not the best movie ever, but a good movie, mm. uh, Sister Act. Okay. Sister Act is a cute movie yeah. about a, a Las Vegas headliner who witnesses a murder and is put in witness protection mm. as a nun, because it's the last place they'd ever look. Uh-huh. And she is now undercover in a convent, and she 
turns the place around by adding, you know, pop music to the the, yeah. the the choir. And that starts attracting more people, and that starts building the community up, and ironically it gets her more famous, and then she's on the news, and they find her, and mm. it's a perfectly good setup for a comedy. Uh-huh. Whoopi Goldberg is great, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Uh, the, that movie doesn't really work if she goes... <laughs> no, it, no, it works fine as it is, okay. it, but it wouldn't work if she had gone to a church where everything was great. Yeah. The church is run down. You see, like, it's a constant state of disrepair. Mm, There's graffiti all over everything. Every time they walk out. The nuns are really unhappy. Yeah. They go outside, and it's a crime ridden neighborhood, Mm. and it's got to look kind of crap because otherwise, you can't build it up. You can't see the impact. That her presence there would have. That her presence there, and and sort of finding new ways to reach out to the community, can't have. Living biblically probably would have been more effective if, yeah, if it had been just a little grimier. Mm-hmm. Just it doesn't have to be evil. Just like show that the world is kind of in a bad place right now, and, and that and it maybe would, it would make this his could, motivation for living biblically a little bit more believable rather yeah. than just my friend is dead. And, and it could actually inspire uh, other people a little bit more, and maybe you could see like. You know, the production design starts cleaning up a bit over the course of the series. <laughs> you know, little subtle things. Uh-huh. You know, you could do it. It could actually be kind of fun. Um, as it stands, yeah, they, it's another one where it's good high concept. Mm. They just don't know what to or, do with it, and they're just not fucking funny enough. Yeah, or if they this they had the sort of the the courage to make this into a single camera sitcom with no mm. laugh track. Yeah, and follow him as he's sort of going through this whole journey, and we get to see sort of up arcs and down arcs. Well, yeah, but then it's as serious like, as a Netflix comedy. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> it, if, like, he goes to, like, his workplace and the world and the people he, you know, interacts with on the outside world are all sort of reacting very positively, but his home life starts going to crap. You know, some, like, some sort of cross arcs that's yeah. going on there. There's sophisticated ways to do this kind of storytelling. But, yeah, then, then I'm just looking at a, a not funny Netflix non-comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I, I, there's so much... I, I When we decided to do this one... Mm. The premise sounded like either it could be surprisingly funny, and they cut, like, a pretty good trailer together. Like, you watch, like, the two-minute trailer they have. Mm. You can say to yourself, that might be funny. Mm. Maybe. It's got potential. And it's either, we thought it was either going to be the worst thing ever mm. or surprisingly funny. Sadly, it's just right <clears throat> fucking in the middle. It's and this re- is really super safe. It goes for all of, like, the standard sitcom level of humor they don't try to be edgy they don't try to be dark they don't try to be too light they're not even kid friendly that would have been a different twist that's one of the reasons why on this show we don't review as many sitcoms because they yeah they they They, they the failed ones tend to stay right there in the middle and that's not interesting to talk about yeah if they're noteworthy they tend to stick around a bit there are Mm. notable exceptions but uh yeah like a lot of them are just like eh Mm. you didn't you might have had a good premise or a good cast but just no one was really doing anything terribly well, and, noteworthy or interesting, and it just gets forgotten. And, and speaking of the cast, um, I mean, we talked about Cameron Manheim. She's really great. Sarah Gilbert yep. is really great. Evan Krumholtz is really great. Everyone's good. Um, Ian Gomez, who plays Father Gene, is really great. J.R. Ferguson isn't. He mm. is efficient. And yeah. that, I think, might be the biggest linchpin of all of this. I think if you had mm. cast a more charismatic actor... Well, like, who do you imagine or, like in this in this role? Because there are different ways you could go. Mm. You could go sillier, you could go mm. more serious, you could mm. go more soulful. Imagine like a more Jack Lemon type. Somebody who is just mm. con- like able to put on a really good face, but was really stressed out a lot of the time. You want Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman would be... Yeah, I don't think that would work. Well, he's too big a star. Well, no, he's not. Well, and also, he, also he has that sort of, like, uh, underhanded asshole to yeah, him. Yeah, he's got to snark to him. So I, I think he, like... Isn't he's he not, on that show, The O-Snarks? 
He, he, oh, God. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. It's a comedy on Netflix. Uh, I have no idea. I haven't watched it. My brain hurts now. So I see the posters around. Uh, no, just uh, somebody who has a little bit of authenticity, but a little bit more genuineness, a little bit more, uh, like, they're actually struggling with this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, a little bit more complicated an actor. David Crumholtz. David Crumholtz. Would have been perfect. And <laughs> Actually, my fantasy when I was watching this was yeah. it would be Ian Gomez and David Crumholtz, and that's it. Like just the I two of them and their I friendship. Just yeah. them, and we just see them, and they go through their own difficulties at their own different, you know, that the at the church and at the synagogue, at synagogue. <laughs> and uh, they and maybe mm. they have parallel stories or they're just two best. It's a it's a best friends sitcom. Yeah, we're two guys who have a lot in common, but also a really central divide. Mm. And keeping the faith, the series that would be fine. Yeah. That's a good idea for a show. And honestly, just like. I don't care about uh, everyone else is okay like it's mm-hmm. fine but I don't I'd rather Cameron Manheim do other things I would <laughs> I would I would I would rather everyone else mm-hmm. in the cast do other things like even even the main guy like he's Mm-hmm. He's not bringing enough to the show, but I could see him as okay in other stuff. Like, there's other yeah. stuff well, that he could be fine at. He, he's, Those he's two guys good, are great, he's and a they good deserve their own show. He's a good, charming hero, but we don't need a good, charming hero. We need, an, uh, like, a, a nebbish or a, a sad sack. When we, and we had both! Yeah, we had, we had it. We had an epic. Yeah. We had a sad sack. And, they're great together, and they're, but they're supporting characters. We need one of those guys in the lead role. No, I just think both. Yeah. Share it. Boom. There you go. Like just it, it's 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 the original lot. No, couple. I'm, Boom. I'm trying to think of like. Then they have the to move li- in together. The, problem the, solved. The living biblically biblically premise. Trying mm. to get who do we put in the the lead role there? Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't care about the living biblically premise yeah. anymore. Like I said, I think yeah. it's a movie and not a show. Mm. Like that, <laughs> there's some there comes a point. It's called killing your darlings where. When you're writing something or you're telling a story and the reason why you're telling it or the thing that got you most jazzed is the thing that's getting in the way of the story working. Uh-huh. And you have to, it's the thing you love the most, but it, the story would be better without it because that's the thing that you're trying to force in there. Yeah. And everything else is coming out organically. The organic version of the show is the priest and the rabbi. Yeah, yeah. The, the we have to cram this mm. premise in because that's the book we bought the rights to. That's what hurts the show mm-hmm. more than anything else. And you could have done the same basic structure. Just look at some teaching from the Old Testament or mm-hmm. whatever. And you could have just had that be the thing. Maybe they have an agreement where that's both going to be the thing they talk about this mm-hmm. week at church and synagogue. Yeah. And we see how, how these lessons from the Bible, these stories, these are, allegories are, are interpreted through different faiths and are and, useful in both ways. And, yeah. are, and are applied differently to the, to the world mm-hmm. by different people. Yeah. There's a story there. It's right here. <laughs> but we don't look at that because we're here for the high concept yeah. and the high concept is restrictive. A high concept mm. should open the world up. Yeah. yeah. Like a high concept is just a really good simple idea, but once you hear it the possibilities seem endless. Mm. Here the possibilities are actually incredibly limited. Mm. And that's the problem with building biblically. Yeah. yeah. Um I already told you where I wanted it to go if it had gone on longer, but the <laughs> revelations uh, was living biblically canceled too soon? Uh, no, it was not. No, um, I'm not super passionate about it, but no, it's not canceled too uh, soon. Again, there, there's a promise in the premise. There's promise in some of the characters. Mm. None of that was explored in what we got, and there's no yeah. way you can turn what this show was into something interesting. So, yeah, no, it was not canceled. Not without completely changing it from the ground up. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It's a damn mm-hmm. shame. Uh, next week. 
we're going to be changing it up again <laughs> with a very different show. I believe this will be our very first sci-fi original series. Uh, it is not, because we did the Dresden Files. Oh, you're right. Never it's mind. It's our second. This is our second ever sci-fi original series. <laughs> a little less noteworthy. <laughs> Didn't really need to bring it up now. All but right. uh, but yeah, there's uh, when we were looking through shows like from the last season and... Again, there was no shortage of shows we could have chosen. There were at least 50. We wanted to pick some some interesting ones, some odd ones, and perhaps the weirdest premise <laughs> of any failed show from like the last year is a sci-fi original series called Blood Drive. Whitney started watching already. Mm. I haven't. Whitney, give them the gist of it. Okay, so it takes place in an alternate future 1999 in Los Angeles, where there is an evil corporation is ruling the landscape. And in order to make a lot of money in this desperate landscape, a few chosen people get to take place in Blood Drive, which is a death race type race from L.A. to Arizona, where they have to race in super souped up cars that run on human blood. L.A. to Arizona isn't that far. Uh, no, and like somehow, you can do that in like a day, day and a half. Like mm. it's really not that long. Well, it's like Death Race. There's like stops along the way, mm. and it's this really dark, weird Mad Max carnival world. And there's cannibals and mutants and Amazons. Okay, and you feed people into your car engine to keep it going. Neat. <laughs> so we'll be talking about that uh, hopefully later this week. Mm. Uh, honestly, we know that like we were coming out like Wednesdays and Thursdays, and the last couple have been on the weekend mm. and. It's just scheduling. It's just scheduling. It's all yeah. it is. It's all it is, and that's lame. And mm. we really want to uh, be more efficient about it, but we we have to. We have other responsibilities, mm. and so we're doing the best we can, and we will continue doing the show. Yeah, and we have uh, that coming up, and then after that, we have the winner of our Patreon poll, mm. and then after that, Scary Tober begins, <laughs> and it's going to be some really cool horror themed mm. stuff. I I wish you had consulted me before you had named it Scary Tober. Just. <laughs> Just shout out a name next time. <laughs> I just have to beat you to the punch. You just have to secret. do it. I don't okay. know. What do, you want, what do you want February to be? I don't know. Na- okay, March. March is going to be a theme month, and Whitney gets to pick it, and I don't get to name it. <laughs> Fair. I'll, I'll have to give this some thought. I don't. Right. Why do you think we got Scary Tober? <laughs> People with one eye. It's all canceled shows that have Cyclopses in them. Are there enough of those? We'll find them. I don't know. Surely. You're in charge of research. <laughs> no, we're what's not your, what's, what's your favorite Cyclops series? That's, that's, an, odd, that's, off that's the, an odd That's choice. off the top of my head. It's an odd choice. We're gonna, I don't want to gonna... live on the top of my head. We're, we're, workshop that. Okay. <laughs> we'll do a little I want you to workshop that. We'll find something. Yeah. It'll be fun. Uh, anyway, so Whitney has to go off to his work because yeah. that's what he does for work. I, I, I do have a Joe job, and I got to go to that. Uh, so Whitney's going to go do that. Uh, this episode is going to be cranked out as fast as I can. We're going to put it out in like the next hour. Okay. I'm just going to speed it out there as you get it as soon as you can. But yeah, come back uh, later this week for Blood Drive. Uh, check out our other podcast, Critically Acclaimed. Uh, we have another episode that should be out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That'll be a Monday uh, with tons of new movie reviews and a very interesting double feature and... Uh, there's a whole bunch else besides on our Patreon page. Thank you again to all of our patrons. You really, mm. really, 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 really Every help single us out. one of you. Every single one of you. This podcast would probably not still exist. You guys are all amazing, sexy people. And if you're new and you want to join us, mm. uh, again, patreon.com slash cancel too soon. There's a lot of cool perks and stuff. Uh, we would be honored to have you amongst our team. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week for Blood Drive. And that's a wrap. See you next season.